0: This is the Urbangelical Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Urbangelical. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Mike Kelly, and I'm with a good friend of mine, Alex Early. And we're talking to Alex because he's an ordinary pastor at an ordinary church doing ordinary things, and that is what has driven the gospel around the world for thousands of years and it's what really, really makes a difference. And I'm thankful that Alex is willing to step up and share about his life and ministry with us. Welcome, brother.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here with you today.
1: All right. So please cue us up a little bit about your background and your church and uh and get us framed a little bit about on who you are.
0: Sure. Um I was born and raised in Woodstock, Georgia. Um Became a Christian in high school. It was a hard go in high school. Save my testimony for another day. I've but,
1: heard uh, that. I've heard that story. Yeah.
0: Man, Yeah. And uh, and so then, um, right after meeting Jesus, I uh, really felt a calling into the ministry. Didn't know what shape that would take. I kind of thought I grew up Southern Baptist, so I kind of thought, oh, I'm going to end up um, on the mission field somewhere because they just always were sending missionaries out of our church all the time. And I kind of thought mission field. But as you grow up and get older and go through seminary and all this and that, and like found myself in different church environments, serving at different capacities, um, found a real calling for the the local church. And so it's taken years for me to really kind of hone in and lean into that specific calling. I thought maybe missionary. And there was for a season, you know, I I thought maybe I'll be a a theology prof, you know, um, Mm -hmm. But really just fell in love with the local church. And um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. School, got a great family, you know. Got, yeah. Got two kids. Um, I'm 41. I'm as uncool as it could possibly be. <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. Do you drive a minivan, bro? I, I don't. I drive okay. a 2006 Honda Element. Okay, I'm that's still, close. That's still cool. rolling in it you know. It's great. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, that's All right.
1: So, tell us a little bit about your ministry now. Where do you
0: serve? Uh, Redemption Seattle. So, our church was planted uh, just about six years ago, and I joined the church planting team uh, about a year into the plant. Um, it was something I had dreamed about with a couple other guys, um, and for I don't know, for about a year before it was actually planted, they went ahead and actually started. Meeting and gathering people and going for it, and then uh, about a year, and I jumped in. So, I've been I moved back here to Seattle five years ago. Okay, so and yeah.
1: we you and I probably met about three or three and a half years ago, or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, good. yeah, well, um, t- tell us a little bit. So, you fell in love with a local church, mm-hmm. uh, I have too, and that that romance, uh, is. Very rich, but very challenging,, yeah. and you ended up at redemption so uh tell us a little bit about uh now that you're five or six years into serving there yeah. uh, is it just like you envisioned it would be, and oh, wow. how is it different and yeah. let's unpack that a little bit yeah
0: um you know i, I lived here in Seattle for about a year um, twenty twelve to twenty thirteen and um Seattle, for some reason, always was special to me. Even growing up in Georgia, I, I cheered for the Hawks and the Sonics. I was just a interesting weird, a weird kid. Like, I, I still don't know. I still don't get it. Um maybe it's because my dad was super into Microsoft stuff growing up, and maybe some of that got in my blood somehow. But I don't know. Anyway, um, I knew what I was getting into, moving back here, understanding the the nature and the complexity of our city and the different kinds of challenges that arise just philosophically or theologically um but i also knew coming back you know i mean this is whatever where, we are now seven years post the you know collapse of mars hill i knew i was coming back to a environment where if you're a christian um Many have been deeply wounded and scarred through all that went on years ago. And so I wanted to come back and be part of the healing and be part of serving in that capacity. So uh, I decided, yeah, I wanna take on a more pastoral care, spiritual formation, long obedience in the same direction kind of approach to ministry. Um, so I'm slow, patient, sit with people, day by day and give space for the deconstructionists give space for the doubters give space for the people who have been wounded and seek to be a healing presence in their life. And so, um, so in that way I knew what I was getting into and sure enough, I came back and yep, (laughs) people were hurt. And, um, but it has been a marvelous thing. Um, to be a part of a church plant um, is very uncon- uh, unconventional, you know. A church plant, traditionally, you start with mission and evangelism. And um, this was more, we're starting in the ashes in some ways, you know. Yeah. And it's been really amazing to watch the healing ministry of Jesus, you um, work of the last five years people that had lost a lot of faith or were very you know, scared of church leadership and um watching people slowly regain faith and trust and you know it's been really beautiful to watch so you you
1: found what you came for you think i mean you're doing think, what you came for you think is think a better so. way to put
0: it yeah i think so
1: you uh, know alex that's not why people plant churches though brother
0: well, what are they, they plant churches.
1: <laughs> they're supposed to plant churches for all those missional things.
0: right? Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. And I did that too. Back in Georgia, I did the missional thing and planted a church in a bar that I worked in. I mean, like okay. I, I get it, but, um, yeah, but it's been a very, it's been very, um, uncool. It's been very, it's been hard. It's been sad. It's been, um. I don't get all the attaboys that I used to when I ran in larger, more popular evangelical circles. Um, And so I've had to slowly get okay with just letting my ego drift out the sea. And um, and sometimes the tides
1: bring it back, though, friend. At least in my case, they bring (laughs)
0: it (laughs) back. Well, you know, so it's been good to get used to that, though. You know? What
1: kind of fruits have you seen? Um hmm. when you pour into people's lives, there's a temptation to like, man, it'd be nice to like start out with somebody who just became a Christian and hasn't been hurt by the church yet. Yeah. That doesn't usually last too long. But uh <laughs> what has been what are how would you frame the things that have been really sweet to be a part of as a pastor? Because one of the things this particular series is about. Hmm. It's about the value of a pastor on a corner you know and what that means so what's that been like for you
0: um well i had to cultivate and really i had to cultivate uh becoming a good listener i think that was a that was a value or a skill that i think god just really placed on my soul about five or six years ago like if you're going to do this, you, you really got to be a listener. Um, and so I found myself working through <laughs> questions and griefs and um, holding space for the the disoriented and affirming people in their disorientation going, it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to be human. It's okay to 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 go, I don't know what's going on in this world right now. And that doesn't make you an enemy of God because you're disoriented. So that's, that's some of how it's kind of felt and in giving people space to do that and giving God his space to do his work. I feel like a lot of times my job is, uh, I get a front row seat to observing the work of Jesus. And in, in strange ways I, I get to, Serve as a mediator in, in, that's in good. that. Um yeah, so that's kind of how it's felt, but it's felt very ordinary. It's felt very, I don't know. I read Eugene Peterson now and go, this guy makes perfect sense. But I read him when I was 28 and was like, this guy, what does this guy know? Now it's like <laughs> this guy was right all along.
1: Yes, you know? so. indeed. So so let's go back to I didn't uh I might have heard about the bar church. Uh it makes perfect sense that you worked in a bar uh, that I don't have yeah. any trouble with, but but let's compare the ambitions that you had then to the ambitions that brought you to Seattle. How, how are they the same? And how are they? The, how are they different?
0: Oh, my gosh. How honest can I be?
1: Well, you know, I'm we obsessed. can. De- we, yeah, but we can delete whatever <laughs> you decide to. Ask. We'll, have right, audio, cool. we'll have our audio. Um, we'll have our audio
0: guy fix this. Sure. All right. Uh, I. I saw something online not long ago and it made good sense to me and says, most church planters should have gone to therapy rather than planting a church. And uh, <laughs> I agree. And yeah. I was at the very top of that list. Um, deep shame throughout my whole past. Uh, my dad died 12 years ago. I planted a church immediately. I didn't stop. Like as my dad died, I he died suddenly. I preached his funeral, got up, preached the sermon the next day, four times, all day long preaching. Uh, Next day was at a church planning conference. Just boom, boom, boom. Don't stop. Like, that's insane. Um, So I was ambitious. I'm going to go to all the school. I'm going to write the books. I'm going to preach at the conferences. I'm going to run in the circles that I need to run in because that's successful. And Mm -hmm. men don't cry. And put your head down. Keep your feet moving. You know, anything for the sake of the mission of the gospel going forward and that kind of uh, tough guy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Of chin off the charts. So,
1: yeah, um, I got I got no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard of such
0: a thing. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: so just don't ask anyone in my first or second church.
0: Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it's tough, man. So that that's where I honestly started out. I had good intentions. I wanted people to meet Jesus. That's for sure. Um, But there was so much that was still so underdeveloped or underdeveloped or undeveloped in me as far as like being able to really be present to God and really be present to myself. And I didn't realize that I, I had no idea that like the incredible value of actually getting to know my own Self. I just, I didn't know myself. Yeah. And, and the reason why I didn't know myself is because I had like this wonky Calvinistic worm theology about total depravity that was totally in the wrong vein. So it was basically, if I was going to get to know myself and understand my own story, that felt like selfishness. Yes. And it took a lot of breaking and the Lord's gentle discipline in my life to help me see that to get to know your own soul is not wrong. In fact, Calvin wrote it on the first page of the Institute. Institute. I was
1: just thinking of that.
0: Dude, how did I not even catch that on the first page? But it's like, how can I know? How can I proclaim a God of grace if I don't know the story and the life to which he has accommodated his own self to, to me? Like, he chose you. to live here, with me,
1: well, in my know, So, man, this yeah. Is, this stuff resonates with me. The reason I didn't notice it at first, even though I quoted it, cause, was that I picked up the institutes in order to conquer them. Totally. <laughs> I was totally. going to conquer these things so I could weaponize them
0: as yes. necessary. So, yes, me too. Me
1: yeah, too. and... Um,
0: yeah.
1: So what are your, you know, you've articulated your ambitions uh, as you got to Seattle. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm seeing the fulcrum of that change was uh, more self-awareness, more understanding of what was operating totally. inside right. of you when you were doing ministry. If you could, mm-hmm. if you got to, uh, if I cornered you as I'm about to now and said, all right, um, I do this because... Like, what's your answer, or your best answer now on this morning? I understand it's fluid. (laughs) But, you know, with with the whole world listening, which, which, you know, is not who listens to my podcast. Right. But uh, why do you do this now? I do this because what?
0: I do this out of obedience. I feel like it's a, for me, I feel like this is, uh, obedience, and it's a, but it's an obedience that comes with a lot of joy. Yeah. Um, it's not a begrudging obedience. Like, well, all right, I guess I have to do this. It's, um I don't feel that way. It's, it's a, joy, but it feels obedient. Frederick Buechner, you know, he says, you know, your calling is where your greatest desire and the world's greatest needs intersect. Yeah, that's God's calling your life, and I, I like talking about calling in that way um i think because it feels so shameless yeah Uh, i don't know that god told me to get up and move my family to seattle washington i don't know that he actually said thou shalt do this alex or you're in big trouble (laughs) i didn't have like a jonah kind of moment it's more i want to be here i want to do this and I want people to meet Jesus and I want people to walk with him with him all their lives. And so so I feel I feel I want to do this. Um but in in harder days, it feels like, well, what keeps you from hitting eject is going, I I feel like this is obedient to Jesus. Yeah. I feel like I'm being obedient. So you know it that's yeah. a
1: I've come to the same place in ministry too. It sounds, uh, it would be easy to misunderstand that as uh, the the wrong kind of uh, servanthood, the begrudging I must. But ministry messes with your head so much and your heart so much that once you get on the other side of some wounds, for me at least, it's been really refreshing to say, no, I just, I just need to do this. I just need to do what I think I've been told to do. Yeah. And that's my job. And then I get to leave
0: it at that. Totally. That's my job. Yeah. yeah. I, I like thinking of it that way too. Um, and there in years past, I would have heard that comment. I think I would go, I, that wouldn't have resonated with me the way it yeah. now. I feel that same yeah, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm gifted to do. Uh, it doesn't matter if I feel yeah. a bolt of lightning every day about my vocation. I don't know if any person does. No, yeah. I don't. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. So,
0: yeah.
1: I, uh, you know, I tell young, younger guys that you're pouring yourself into your sermon because it's going to be yep, all week long. It's going to be the one that changes everything. And uh, <laughs> your, your whole life is in that 30 minutes and uh-huh. your, pe- your people just came to church and they want you to do your job so they can go to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. What, that's what that that's wants. true. That's right. That's right. So let's, uh, hey, let's turn our attention a little bit about to, to your church and what you're doing now. Uh, sure. And w- one of the questions I love asking guys in this series is, uh, what challenge for these last five, six years has consistently stumped you and how does that affect you in your joy in ministry? I mean, you've tried to fix this thing six ways to Sunday and it just circles back on you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the biggest challenge that I've, it uh, has to do with just being, well, there's two, there's two. Okay. Uh, Seattle, as you know, you're here, uh, is so transient and it wasn't always transient uh, like this. I mean, it's always been a, you know, it's always been Seattle, but the transient nature of our city has just so increased over the last five years in particular. Um, It's unbelievable how many people will come into the church and then be gone 12 months later or 24 months later, down to the Bay area, off to Denver. You know, they buy a house in Ballard and sell it for a billion dollars and move to Texas. And then they buy a ranch. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so the transient nature has been a consistent challenge to me. To go, okay, some of these people are here for a lifetime. In fact, a lot are here for a lifetime. Uh, but I also have to hold a lot of people loosely and not shame them or guilt them into sticking around to go, all right, God yeah. does ordain the times and places where people live. People are going to make choices. They're going to move back to near where families are or whatever. And that's all right, too. Um, yeah. So that's one challenge that I've had to kind of get okay with. Yeah, when I planted yeah. in Georgia. Everybody was there with their grandmamas, you know, till the end of time here, I got to get okay with 50% of the church turning over,
1: you Um, know, you know, my boss, David Richmond. And oh, yeah. he, te- he tells the campus guys, he goes, man, you guys get your folks for four years. I wish I got my folks for four years. Me too. <laughs> so, Me too. to, man. So uh, that's part of the world here. Yeah, that's, that's perennial, bro. But what's that's, the other one? What's the, um,
0: other? the other? Well, quick, one thing that I learned from the city to city guys uh, in Manhattan, they were doing some coaching with us, you know, throughout the year. And one person, I wish I could remember who said it because it was brilliant. But the guy said, "Alex, you got to start replanting the church every year, bro. You got to replant every year because so many people are constantly, fifty percent of the church is gone. You got to replant this thing. Mm-hmm. You're almost starting over all the time. It's like that makes good sense. Um, so okay, let
1: me hit pause there. I want to hear about yeah. the second thing, but yeah." But, how do you do that without turning it into a grind and a gotta succeed again kind of thing? Because that yeah. goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about before. Because to that can wear a guy down.
0: Yep, I thought that through for a long time. In fact, I wrote a forty-page—I got it right, right here somewhere—a forty-page manual that we printed out and we've given to our church. Going, here's what it means to replant. And here's what my answer to that right now is. How does that now become a grind? Our vision of our church, Redemption Church, is this: we're a community striving to remain faithfully present to God, self, and others. Okay. If I remain faithfully present to the God who is always present to me, I don't have to turn this into a grind. Um, okay. I I lean into to that reality, and therefore yes, the work will always be challenging and it will always be what it is, ministry. Um, at the same time, leaning into the reality of God's faithful presence <clears throat> in me um, is keeping me centered. It's keeping me grounded. That's I've good. been doing this and practicing this for a few years and I i genuinely believe, I, I, I've seen the fruit of it. Uh, I've seen good. my anxiety go down. I've seen my kindness to others go up. Yeah, man. Um, I've i've become a happier person to work with um i think our staff would say i I'm,
1: I'm well, see that that's so good to hear cuz that's a sustainable vision uh, yeah, yeah ministry, it is. the agricultural imagery of ministry works cuz every year you got to redo stuff and it's a rhythm and some works and some doesn't
0: but that's right that's, that's good right. man so, so that that's my answer to
1: So what's the other thing that gets you? What's the other rock in your show?
0: Uh, The other rock is um, the I don't care ism of, of mission and evangelism in Seattle. Like, I never meet someone that says, I'm an atheist. I never meet atheists. I never meet agnostics. I meet people that just say, I don't care. How about that? I don't even care. I'm not even gonna think through being an atheist. I don't care about all your little words. I don't care. I don't care. It's like, well, I got a you know a hundred apologetics surrounding the you know resurrection of Jesus, and it's still met with, I don't care if he was raised from the dead. I don't even care. I don't care. What do you do with that? It's like, oh, so that's another kind of thing that I've been reflecting on lately. Is going, hmm, when it comes to unbelievers. How do you equip the saints for the work of the ministry amongst a culture that's kind of hostile to the gospel sometimes? I mean, there are certain tenets of what we do.
1: But most of the time, they just don't
0: care. I don't even care. So that's one where I'm, I'm currently just kind of thinking through going, hmm, what are ways that I can help our people understand how to go about mission and evangelism in an apathetic toward god society
1: well it's seattle you know we're talking today it's 75 and sunny it's gorgeous
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, the rain is a lie we tell people from california oh, sure. so they don't move here they but here. it's a very easy place if you have a job to be satisfied in and not really have much need in so that's right so um so let me let me uh, talk about when it's not that way when it's uh February, and it's dark most of the day, and it rains all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, What about this ordinary church, ordinary guy doing ordinary things uh, can sneak up on you and discourage you? Or does it still, you know? And and then there's a corollary to that question in a moment.
0: I think it goes back to the thing we were talking about a minute ago, like, you can choose to run in bigger circles if you want and uh go get accolades and attaboys in evangelicalism pretty quickly yeah just show up and glad hand the right people schmooze the right crowd and you'll find yourself on that stage before long and everybody singing your praises thinking wow this guy really might be another true son of god you know like um i so for me i grew up in a mega church and i um have follow fallen fallen. I have followed um mega church things for so long. Um, that when you get those attaboys, those dopamine hits, um and you got goofy theology, you end up in a pretty ugly place. So like it's easy to mistake uh caffeine for the Holy Spirit. And it's yeah. easy to mistake a big crowd for fidelity to jesus you know
1: it's also so, easy to mistake testosterone for the holy spirit bro totally, totally. so the, uh, there's,
0: a, there's a lot of
1: stuff so but does that stuff sneak up on you then like you're well, in your yeah. study and you're like man what am i doing here what yeah man i
0: think that's probably a thing i really still battle and i fight it down. but it's it's a it's a fight for me because of ego and I need to I need to be somebody. Sure. Which is just the lie. It's just a lie, you know. You already, you're already a son of God, <laughs> you
1: know. Like well, I'm yeah. going to uh during these series, my one of my goals is to quote Dr. Paul Koistra from our tribe uh-huh. uh every time, and here's my chance. Same quote. Uh our problem is that we're a bunch of nobodies trying to be somebody while we follow a somebody who became nobody.
0: That's perfect. That's and it. That's, that's it. It's that's that's, man. that's that's it. So for me, I think that's the where I find myself personally struggling, just as an individual, going, ooh, I have chosen to live a life of faithful presence. Yeah. Well, that's very boring. Yeah. Um but it feels healthy and it feels sustainable. And so I have to go back. Like my, I was trained a certain way. I have something in my DNA. That's like, get out there, do it. You're a three on the Enneagram. blah, blah whatever. And, uh, having to go, no, no, Alex, this, this part of you needs to be denied. Yes. It's self-denial. It's not self-hatred. But it is self-denial going. No, God's called you to something different, and that's to be Absolutely. present to Him, to yourself, and to other people in the church. That's what God's called you to do. So that's in February when I'm sad or I'm whatever, uh, I will daydream about what if I did something significant today, you know? And so sure. that's where I have to go and put. Oh that man. Thing.
1: Those That's dreams it. are. I think those dreams will be with us all the way. You're
0: probably
1: right. Into in glory, I think it's just part of uh, part of who we are. So, this is a question that can be awkward to answer out loud as a as a pastor, but it it relates to what we were just talking about. It's about being respected and appreciated. Which, by the way, you you can be ready to die to yourself and still have a natural God given need to be respected and appreciated. So, so, so what does that look like? Like what does that happen? And in what circumstances do you experience those things when you're just doing the relentless return of the Sabbath and doing your ministry every week?
0: Yeah. um, You know, I feel very much so respected and appreciated uh, by our church staff, honestly. Um, certainly at home, Jana, she's unbelievable. She is the most yeah. encouraging human being. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, but I feel respected and appreciated on our, on our team. Like every week we begin our, our uh, staff meeting with gratitude. You just go around the room real quick, name one thing you're grateful for, Uh, And then we sit in silence and stillness and practice the presence of God together. And then we begin our day. Um, But it is so often that the team will turn and say, Hey man, the thing that you said last week in a meeting or the thing, whatever that you're doing right now, I I appreciate that. Um, That goes so far. We've got a team that really builds each other up and is intentional about pointing out the wins. That's good. Uh, so we try to practice the Christus Victor stuff, not just think about it as an atonement theory, but like, <laughs> hey, look, I know we're all gonna strike out like nine out of 10 times today. I get it, I get it. But if you catch somebody knocking it over the fence, you better celebrate it. That's good stuff. You know, so I That's think we've got a culture like that here, which makes it very, if we take ourselves less seriously, uh, but we take when somebody wins and knocks it over the fence, we take that real serious. That's like, you know, good stuff. That's so that's good.
1: where I think I feel that good. That's good. Yeah. We yeah. we should enjoy that when we get those. So good. No uh, kidding. Uh well, here's where we're landing every one of these uh interviews. I like to to land in this in this place. Let's uh, I create this scene for you. Um if you could take one thing about Redemption Church, yeah. one of its Gifts, one of its gems, and one of its virtues, and you could just import that to all the churches in in the Northwest. No one would ever know that it was related to redemption. It was just a thing <laughs> yeah. that was all of a sudden there. What yeah. gift would you give to all the churches around us? Oh, yeah. What would you What would you duplicate?
0: Uh, hospitality. Cool. Our church is insanely welcoming and. Hospitable, like we had several new families come on Sunday, and I was so excited. Going, so I stand on the front steps every week, I call it my perch, and I just welcome people every Sunday. I've done it for five years. Every Sunday, I'm always on my perch, welcoming people to the front of the walk. You know, and I love going, met a new couple going out. Oh, going in, someone's gonna be there, greet you. You're gonna make five new friends in about five minutes. Just watch, <laughs> and, and it was true. Um. Cool. So I think hospitality because especially here in Seattle, you know, we've got the Seattle freeze for whatever it is and yeah. um, there's a lot of different takes on why it's cool. here but it's hospitality. That's
1: um, great, man. Yeah. I love I love that. Yeah. That's a god, that's a godly thing. That's a spiritual gift. So good. Yeah. good I think that's it. Man, I appreciate so much your time, Alex. I appreciate your friendship and the work you're doing over there uh, in the Green Lake neighborhood of, of Seattle. So really, thanks for joining us, friend.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Urbangelical is a ministry of the Northwest Church Planting Network in Seattle, Washington. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, please visit nwcpnetwork.com and click Podcasts.